It's Jim, it's the World of Bonds. It's Tuesday the 16th of January 2024. This is for professional investors only and never ever investment advice. Some good feedback, thank you, on the last podcast. Mainly people pointing out that when talking about yield curves, there's actually a perfectly good word to describe what happens when long-dated yields rise and short-dated yields fall, as happened last week. Unfortunately, it's not the word that I used, which was uninversion, so apologies, I will use disinversion or even steepen next time round if I remember. But um, yeah, uninversion doesn't exactly trip off the tongue, so I don't know what went wrong there. Um, I also had some good journalist questions about my comment in the last podcast that many of the experiments that form the bedrock of behavioural economics and behavioural psychology in general have been discredited. And that's important because many of those theories actually found their way into government policy. You know, it's not always that you come up with some um, psychological findings and uh, you end up with departments named after you in uh, the UK and you find yourself in the White House working for Obama and so forth. But that's exactly what happened with behavioural economics and behavioural psychology. For instance, um, in the UK, we had the so-called nudge unit and that was based on theories that if you put an honesty declaration right at the beginning of your car insurance claim form saying that everything you're about to write is true and uh, honest um, or you could do the same for a tax return which is I guess what they were trying to do on the nudge unit as well then you'd get more truthful answers and therefore pay out less car insurance claims or collect more tax than if you put that declaration at the end of the form. So once you've already filled in uh, the questions. So if you want to read more about those scandals around some of the really big names, the famous names in the research field, uh, I really recommend you look at an article in The New Yorker from October last year. It's called They Studied Dishonesty. Was their work a lie? Question mark. So uh, you can read that for free online. It's uh, it's a really good long read if you've got the time on a dreary January weekend. Um, the other thing journalists were asking about really uh, and psychology linked was around the U.S. presidential election. Um, I mentioned the perception with voters that the U.S. economy is in a terrible place. So I just googled this morning um, the first three newspaper headlines I see when I I kind of Google about what voters think of the US economy. Number one was, to quote, only 14% of US voters uh, say that Joe Biden has made them better off. That was from the FT. Second one was from CNBC, media outlet. Voters' grim economic outlook helps boost Trump in new poll. Um, 81% of voters say US economy is doing either fair or poorly. And number three, voters see a bad economy even if they're doing okay. And that was a New York Times headline. And yet when two out of those three headlines were published, literally two were from November 2023, US annualised GDP had just come out for the third quarter and that was running at 4.9%, which is an astonishing result, especially compared to um, every economist and my expectations at the, the start of the year. And at the same time, of course, inflation was falling sharply, although obviously still not back below 2%, but not a million miles away now. So um, no wonder, I guess, Joe Biden was apparently fuming at his aides that his message isn't getting through. 
um, especially given on top of the growth and inflation outlook, unemployment remains near a record low. So there's something called a misery index, which is where you simply add together the unemployment rate and the inflation rate. Um, so you know it's got no kind of real economic intellectual backing. It's just easy to do. Most most of us can add up two numbers together. Um, not many of us can use um, uh, Python, but I can add together 3.4 and 3.7 and come up with 7.1. That better be right. Um, 7.1, which is the misery index for the United States at the moment. Looking at the UK, misery index of 8.2 looking at the eurozone 8.8 so and these are historically pretty low numbers as well unemployment's generally been higher than those levels inflation's been a little lower so you know it's not out of bounds but certainly the us is the lowest and it's relatively low especially if you look back to uh, periods of real economic weakness or back to the 80s for instance um so this morning we got the results out from the Iowa caucuses. So that's the, the first round of voting for the US presidential candidate for the Republican Party. And listening to those results and the analysis, um, Trump has probably won around 50%, maybe even over 50% of the votes for that presidential nomination um, and is certain to get it now. Um, there's, there's almost no doubt about that. And voters don't seem to mind at all um, about the, the court cases and the, the criminal charges and so forth. But they interviewed voters from the state afterwards and inflation remained their biggest concern, their biggest bugbear. And so talking of psychology and um, notwithstanding some of those problems that behavioural economics is having at the moment, there have been some studies that show that people sort of have a a bias when they think about the overall inflation number to just look at the thing that they purchased the most. Um, in the UK, that's probably milk. Um, in the US, as well as groceries, that will be gasoline. Um, even if you feel that Biden is getting a bad break, it seems that really quite strange that in 2022, a gallon of gasoline was up at five and a half dollars a gallon. Um, it had been three beforehand. So you can see that um, on that basis, by the time we got to 2022, you could say that actually people should be blaming Biden, whatever the real reasons for that oil price rise were. But gasoline did almost double over that period. Um, from pre-pandemic to uh, 2022. But now we're down at 360 a gallon and it's been falling almost every day since September last year. So it is a bit difficult to see why Biden's economy gets such a bad rap. I mean, maybe it does show the power of X and other social media sites, the bots that amplify negative messages, the real negative messages that people are reporting on that site and other social media uh, fora, um, and also the role of traditional media, people like Fox News, um, in controlling a narrative that may not be the full story. Anyway, right, what are bond markets doing this morning? I think the first thing to note that is noteworthy is what's happened in China overnight. And China has announced that it's going to be doing a so-called special sovereign bond plan. Bloomberg uh, reporting this morning that it's going to be 139 billion 
of new Chinese government bonds. And this will be, they say, the fourth time that this has happened in nearly 30 years. And it's kind of a crisis measure where they sell ultra long government bonds and use that for infrastructure products uh, projects effectively to, to boost the the economy so they did this after the asian crisis in 98 and uh they did it in 2020 for instance um around the pandemic so um i guess it shows the pressures that remain in china around the economy or around weakness in certain sectors most notably property and the fact that um they haven't seen a takeoff in consumption from consumers uh, to offset a slowdown in in the, the kind of manufactured goods sector. So that's um, news this morning out of China, a big stimulus package in the offing there based on a lot of long dated bond issuance. In DM markets, they're all a bit weaker, mainly driven by um, pushback really from the ECB council members. I think there were at least three of them out yesterday. Uh, playing down the market's expectations for ECB rate cuts in Europe. So all three speakers I can see suggested it was too soon to cut. And one of them, an Austrian called Holtzman, um, implied that he didn't think it would, well, he stated it wouldn't be a 2024 story for ECB rate cuts. Markets don't believe him, of course. So markets still see a 78% chance of uh, the first cut coming in April, still a slim-ish chance of a, a March cut, but generally, not just in Europe, but in the UK and the US, yesterday US was closed for a, for a holiday, but if you look at the probabilities that markets have, March drifted lower somewhat in terms of the first cut probability. 10-year US Treasuries trading on the nose at 4% this morning. Have good weeks. Bye.